welcome to Data Monitor's podcast series. This podcast will look at RSV, uh, specifically the RSV forecast, which recently came out on the Data Monitor website. Uh, respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, is a common respiratory virus. It's less no- well known as um, influenza or COVID-19. However, the pandemic has kind of highlighted the importance of developing vaccines for RSV. And therefore, uh, the field is, is being accelerated rapidly, with uh, the market expected to grow from 0.3 billion in 2021 to approximately 8 billion by 2030. So RSV is a common respiratory virus and it's the leading cause of bronchiolitis in infants and it's estimated to be responsible for 22% of all episodes of acute low respiratory tract infections in young children. Almost all children uh, within the first two years of their life will be infected with RSV, and approximately 0.5 to 2% of those infections will result in hospitalisation. So there's about 40,000 RSV-related hospitalisations in the US alone per year, or almost a million outpatient visits, um, and 100 to 500 deaths for children younger than five years. The, the burden is also felt in the elderly, uh, with about 177,000 hospitalizations per year and approximately 14,000 deaths. There's currently only one marketed product for RSV, Synergis, uh, which is a monoclonal antibody targeting uh, the spike protein of RSV. So one of the reasons our Synergis has received low uptake um, is due to its very high price tag uh, with a cost of Synergist costing about $15,000 in the US uh, for a five-dose course. However, the RSV market is expected to shift uh, over the next two, three years as uh, AstraZeneca and Sanofi launch their next generation monoclonal antibody, Nisevimab. So Nisevimab is expected to usher in a renaissance period in the RSV prevention space. Uh, with almost a dozen products expected to launch between 2023 and 2027, targeting uh, multiple patient segments. The three segments that were used in the forecast were maternal vaccinations, uh, which cover the first six years of life for infants, uh, paediatric vaccinations, uh, this, this included Nisevimab, um, so the seven map between at birth or two months um, and lasting for about six months, as well as pediatric vaccines uh, that would be administered at six months of age. Lastly, uh, the final segment and the most lucrative segment were the elderly, where vaccines expected to be administered from 65 years onwards. So one of the important parts of our research were finding out um, what we'd expect the treatment algorithm to look like for RSV. And based on our discussion with KLs, um, there's a lot of uncertainty. But what we believe in the best case scenario is that a typical vaccination um, schedule will involve maternal vaccination, which will provide protection uh, immediately at birth. Then infants will be given nisevimab probably about two months, maybe four months, uh, which is roughly when, um, probably four months is roughly when maternal vaccination is expected to wane. At about six months, uh, all infants are expected to 
um, be switched on to pediatric vaccines. And uh, a single pediatric vaccine should last uh, them for the first uh, two years of their lives, well, for the rest of that period, so that year and a half. There is potentially a market for at-risk adults, um, but it's currently not recommended in treatment guidelines, and so we haven't forecasted this at the moment. Um, but that is a potential market. Uh, the final segment that we forecasted is the elderly, um, so vaccination to start at 65 years onwards. So nisevimab is going to be marketed quite differently by AstraZeneca and Sanofi. Uh, so they're pursuing a much lower price tag uh, than Synergis. So uh, typically a course of Synergis was $15,000, whereas nisevimab will be priced at um, somewhere in between what you'd expect the premium vaccine courses of, say, HPV uh, or pneumococcal vaccines. So this is somewhere between $400 and $800. Uh, we've, we've, taken, we've gone for about $600 somewhere in the middle, uh, and we believe at this price tag, um, the server map will be competitive, and it should be taken up in all um, national programs. Uh, this is based on uh, the disease burden for RSV and infants, um, totaling up to about 2.7 billion. So at a price tag of about $600 and also adding in the cost of maternal vaccination and paediatric vaccination. Um, and assuming that these, these methods provide protection of about 70%, uh, we think it's viable uh, for the seven amount to be priced at that range. Within the paediatric vaccine segment, there's multiple vaccines being developed. Um, Johnson & Johnson have a vaccine and Sanofi have an LAV vaccine which they've been developing for a very long time. The NIAID has been developing this vaccine. Previously it was being developed by AstraZeneca and now it's been developed by Sanofi, but it's been in the pipeline for about 10 years, so this one's been long awaited. Uh, lastly, we have Mesa Vaccines vaccine, uh, which is also another LAV vaccine. So from our discussion with KALs, it's not very clear at the moment, and there's lack of data really suggesting which paediatric vaccine uh, would come out on top. Um, yeah, we have potential safety concerns associated with the LAV vaccines, and you know they've had a challenging developmental history, uh, and a lot of this has been attenuating the viruses enough um, to make them safe, but also um, not attenuating them so much that you completely lose efficacy. So it's been a tight balance, and Sanofi has now selected uh, the candidate they're moving forward with. It's the NS2 um, deletion mutant, which also has a 1314 mutation, uh, and I think that one is to improve the safety um, of the vaccine. So based on our current estimates, we've projected that uh, Johnson & Johnson's and Sanofi's uh, vaccines will uh, be the lead in in the paediatric section, the segment. And this is mainly just because Miser vaccines, they've never marketed a product before, um, and with very little to differentiate them at the moment, um, we've, we've we, we ex expect that the conventional potential is slightly reduced uh, since they lacked this experience. 
Next, we move on to the maternal vaccines. Uh, so there's two maternal vaccines being developed and they're expected to launch in 2024. Uh, GSK have um, GSK 388-8550 and Pfizer are developing RS3 Pre-F, an invented version. Um, so the maternal vaccine segment is a modest commercial opportunity for, for either of these. Uh, well, the market size is expected to be about 80 million. So at the moment, um, both of these vaccines uh, demonstrated data at the RSV VW 2021 conference. Um, what we found was that Pfizer's had quite an impressive efficacy score of 85%. Uh, obviously, that's probably a lot higher than actually the KLs that we interviewed expected. Uh, GlaxoSmithKline's vaccine, it didn't actually show efficacy data, but what they did show was they, they showed neutralizing antibody titers were very high, uh, raised by about 10 to 15 fold in infants of mothers who had received the vaccine. The antibody titers remained high in the first two months and four months, um, but they really began to decrease at four months onwards. And um, although they remained higher than the control, uh, it seemed likely um, to both us and the KLs that we've interviewed that protection is likely to drop below a critical threshold and there's likely to be breakthrough infections from about four months onwards. So based on these uh, efficacy data so far, we think um, that there is a need for nisevimab. Uh, there's also not enough data on the moment to differentiate between the two. And since they essentially use um, very similar technology, so both vaccines are protein subunit-based vaccines uh, for the pre-fusion F form of the uh, of the spike protein, uh, we think there's very little to differentiate them in terms of efficacy. The last bit of our forecast focuses on the elderly vaccine segment, and this is by far the most lucrative patient segment, uh, with phenomenal sales expected of about 5.2 billion. There's expected to be a very big market here um, since everybody above 65 years uh, can potentially be vaccinated uh, in the US, EU and Japan. There's currently six vaccines in development, um, including GlaxoSmithKline's and Pfizer's uh, vaccines, which are protein subunit vaccines targeting RSV pre-F. Um, Bavarian Nordic has a, a MVA vector vaccine uh, with five uh, different subunits. Uh, J&J also have a adenoviral vector vaccine uh, of the pre-fusion F protein. Novavax um, have their Resvax vaccine. Uh, which has been in development for quite a long time. It got to phase three trials, um, but after failing to achieve the primary endpoint uh, with less than 50% FSD, uh, they've gone quiet currently on, on the R3 front. It's, uh, they're supposed to be investigating a adjuvanted form of the vaccine. However, there's not really been any updates about whether this is going to progress any further. Uh, and there's a lot of attention at the moment on their COVID vaccine uh, and their flu vaccines. So it seems more likely that um, 
if Razmax ever makes it on the market, it'll be commercialised um, as a pan-respiratory vaccine rather than a standalone vaccine. Lastly, we have uh, Maser vaccines MV012968. Uh, there's less data, and this vaccine's a little bit further behind the others. Um, so it's a little bit less to talk about for this one. Um, so our current projections are that uh, GlaxoSmithKline's and um, Pfizer's vaccines will be the market leaders. So we expect them to hold the bulk share of the market. About two-thirds of the market will be taken up by the two vaccines. Um, this is primarily due to Pfizer's vaccine uh, showing really strong um, data uh, achieving about 100% efficacy in its human challenge study. And while GSK's vaccine um, hasn't produced efficacy data yet, we expect it to produce similar efficacy data. Um, and this is due to it also being focused on a protein subunit prefusion F prefusion vaccine. In third place, um, we expect Bavarian Nordics vaccine to come. Um, and Bavarian Nordics vaccine achieved about 80% vaccine efficacy in human challenge studies. Um, and in fourth, Johnson's and Johnson's vaccine, it achieved 50% vaccine efficacy um, in human challenge studies, so in healthy adults. But in the elderly population, um, it's important to note that in a phase 2b study, uh, it protected against um, medically attended lower respiratory tract infections by as much as 70 to 80%. So although it didn't perform that well on the human challenge studies, it does seem to perform a lot better and it does seem like there's going to be uh, significant interest in this vaccine. Nonetheless, um, with the others raising the bar so much higher, uh, Johnson's and Johnson's might be relegated uh, to lower income markets um, if the other three are able to meet uh, the demand needs um, in, in the major markets. We're forecasting quite a poor outlook for Novavaxes and Mesa vaccines. vaccines um, and uh, this is due to uh, even, even if the two kind of make it to market, uh, both are being commercialised by companies who are not as experienced and they'll probably need um, partnerships to, to fund the commercialisation for these vaccines. Uh, although not covered in the forecast, um, other areas of interest in RSV include the mRNA vaccines, um, with Moderna uh, progressing its mRNA vaccine to phase two free trials in November 2021. Uh, this is potentially um, quite exciting. mRNA vaccines had major success in the COVID-19 pandemic, and they could be a significant threat to vaccines in the elderly space. Uh, Moderna has reported good um, immunogenicity data in phase one trials, uh, and Sanofi is also developing uh, an mRNA vaccine um, using both unmodified and modified mRNA Lastly, um, although we've not forecasted this in our model, um, we expect there to be significant interest in developing pan-respiratory seasonal vaccines. Um, this 
Kniva involve a triple vaccination of COVID, RSV and flu, or double vaccinations, uh, dual combination vaccines of RSV and flu, or RSV and COVID. Given that COVID is changing so frequently, we think it's probably more likely that RSV will be coupled with flu, and that will be the most successful vaccine. And the major benefit, and I think all the chaos we've spoken to have, you know, have been adamant about the benefit of, of pan-respiratory vaccines. Um, so the major benefit is, is to healthcare systems, you know, reducing the logistical burdens of having to give multiple vaccines. We expect that the pan-respiratory vaccines to have much higher uptake. Uh, since if we take elderly, the elderly population, for example, uh, having to do free standalone vaccines is quite the task for them, um, given healthcare concerns, you know, as well as obviously remembering to attend these appointments. Whereas being able to have all three vaccines um, in a single shot is obviously quite advantageous. So overall, we're expecting very strong growth in the RSV vaccine space over the next 10 years, uh, when the market expecting to explode. There's going to be multiple um, product launches across different um, across different patient segments. Even beyond uh, our forecast, we also expect um, early stage pipeline candidates um, to be potentially interesting, including mRNA vaccines, uh, as well as pan-respiratory vaccines. However, we haven't, we've chosen not to forecast these yet since there's simply not enough data and we don't know how this is going to unfold. Okay, thanks a lot for listening. Um, please have a look at the RSV forecast on the Data Monitor website, as well as our discussion KRLs, which can also be found through our report library. Uh, and finally, the disease analysis report, uh, which is just about to be released today. Thanks for listening. Bye.